DJ and PK is brought to you in part by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. Time to talk Pac-12 title game now with Yogi Roth from the Pac-12 Network. He joins us on the Sprint Special guest line. Get an iPhone 11 when you activate a new line of service with a flex lease and eligible trade. And now through December 5, visit the Sprint store nearest you. Yogi, good morning. Good morning, indeed. How you doing? Good. Utah or Oregon? Who you got in the title game? Let's get right to the chase. <laughs> well, I, I've gone with Utah since the spring. You know, I remember going to spring practice, and I thought they were uh, they reminded me of the teams that we had at SC with the defense they had, everybody going to the NFL, how many talented players um, that they had, and how they practiced. So uh, I'm going to stick with that. You know, and having called. Oregon over the weekend against Oregon State, you know, they got to play much better if they're going to want to have a chance in this game. Did we see something that the Devils did in beating Oregon that the Utes can use in trying to do the same this week? Well, it was a big explosive play to me is why Arizona State won that game. I, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, I think that secondary gets way too much pride and haven't been there over the weekend. They stayed on top of Isaiah Hodgins. He didn't have a catch on the whole first half. They, they only threw it to him once, and it was nullified by a penalty, so technically they didn't go to one time in the entire first half. So I, I don't think they'll get beat deep. Um, I think uh, Oregon State at times, they had a little success running the football and success throwing intermediate routes. But I, I think overall for Utah, what they do offensively just keeps everybody off balance. You know, Much like Oregon State. you know, Challenge for Oregon State, Jake Luton didn't play. So I think that right now... They just got to play their game. They got to run the football. It's play deep play action pass. It's the zone read game. It's the boot game. It's the options. All the stuff that's just in their package. Uh, so that, that's what I think. And, and really, it's defensively. But can they shut them down? And Oregon State had a lot of success. Justin Herbert did not play his best game, and that offense did not play their best game. Okay, I feel like they haven't played their best game since they beat USC. They looked spectacular and really put it on the Trojans that night. But the last three games, they don't pass the eyeball test. And obviously they lost one of them to ASU. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, coming off their bye, you know, they smoked Arizona. And then you referenced the ASU game. Um, I think that's fair. And I think this is a team that, you know, they're kind of like Utah last year to me when I look at Oregon. They're a little ahead of schedule you know, in terms of all the expectations and hype and the way their schedule broke and the streak they went on. Uh, you know, and obviously they have a talented quarterback in, in Justin Herbert, but but overall, I mean, let's not forget this program a few years ago was four wins, seven wins, nine wins, now ten wins, playing for the opportunity to go to the Rose Bowl. So uh, with that being said, yeah, they got to find their – they got to find their, their swag back a little bit, but the way they do it is by running the football. You know, the way they do it is with this offensive line. You know, they run the pistol, and that's going to be hard for Utah to defend. You know, I'm going to do a draw on Friday night. You know, we're going to have a pregame show at the site of the, the game in Santa Clara. And the first play I'm probably going to draw is a similar one against Arizona State when it's Lucky Fotu, right behind him is Francis Bernard, right behind him is Julian Blackman. And it's a blitz right at the A-gap, right over the center, and you just try to kind of set the tone for the game. The problem is when you're in the pistol – uh, which is the the running back directly behind the quarterback and the shotgun, is that it slows down all your pressures. Because you can't blitz the back anymore. So so to nerd out a little bit, the back, when, when Zach Moss is on one side of Tyler Huntley or the other, 
you got the ability to blitz one side or the other, and there's tendencies there. You can get to the quarterback easier. Um, just things happen faster. When he's directly behind the quarterback, everything you have to pause for a second. And what does it do? It can uh, mess up your run fits, especially when you're in an aggressive defense like Utah. And all of a sudden, C.J. Verdell could go out the back door. Those are the things that I think are going to be different for Utah. And I expect some of the same in terms of a slow first quarter for them because you got to get to know uh, just the timing of what this running game is like, the play-action game is like. Because it does, it does alter just how you play defensively because everything's just a hair late. It's just The timing is totally different than anything they've seen all season long. And the challenge with that is that Justin Herbert, he, when he throws the ball, it's like a magnet. Like you, you don't have a choice to catch it most of the time. You know, he can literally hit spots all over the field. So with that being said, I, I think that's going to be the biggest challenge when I look at this game. So to me, I'm real intrigued. There's all sorts of intriguing aspects to this game. But the biggest one is the interiors on both sides. You look at Utah, which has three senior defensive linemen, right? And you look at Oregon, and they have four, I think. And then the other ones, the kid from Utah, Sewell, who might be better than all everybody combined uh, on Oregon's line anyway. So I'm real intrigued to see how that's going to play out. Utah's great defensive line against Oregon's great offensive line. Is that a push, or do you give somebody an edge? That's going to be the best part of the whole game, to be honest. Like, you know, we're going to hype up Huntley, Huntley for Heisman. We're going to talk about Herbert, the number one pick, and Zach Moss and C.J. Verdell on the backs at Oregon, but this is this is a game that is just different, right? Like in years past, we've had one loss teams like Washington State, um, UW. They were built, you know, from the inside out when they went to the college football playoff. And you could argue even last year with Greg Gaines and company, they, all the guys that ended up leaving. This game on both sides, I don't think we've seen a game like this, you know, when it means so much in the Pac-12's history. I think about all the championship games. Stanford SC by far is the best championship game we've had, right? In, in those two teams a couple of years ago with Sam Darnold and KJ Costello. This to me trumps that game, and I don't even think it's close. You know, when you look at exactly what you said, and I just love it because here we are in a world where everybody I say playing in the sandbags, like with my son. All the, all the people that don't want to pay attention to this conference think that it's just a throwing conference and think that it's just quarterbacks airmailing it all day long. And the two teams in the title game for the second straight year built on toughness and physicality. And you look at exactly what your reference made, it's going to be a blast. I can't wa- wait to watch Bradley and I against Panay Sewell at your reference. And I'm sure both of those guys can't wait to play each other as well. And, and I think to your point, Jake Hansen being at center is going to be a key for this game for Oregon. He missed the last game and a half, and you could feel him in the ASU game. I think that was a, you know, one of the main reasons that they ended up losing that ball game outside of the explosive plays. You know, everything was off timing-wise with the snap and the pistol and everything I talked about earlier. Uh, Calvin Throckmorton played you know, very well over the weekend. Like They didn't seem to skip a beat, but they're at their best when Hanson's playing center, So, especially against a guy like Lecky Foto. So, yeah. I'm going to watch this game, and I think for the committee that's going to watch this game after talking to Rob Mullins, they get how this team is built. Uh, and I think for this game, it's just going to be phenomenal. And, and then you add in the next guys, right? Troy Dye and Francis Bernard, right? The guys behind those players, how are they going to you know, just be able to make plays off those blocks? I, I think it'll be a really physical game, and it's going to be one that you know, will wear you out by the time you're in the fourth quarter. 
You kind of you mentioned this a little bit earlier about the pistol, and it's going to take the Utes a while to get dialed in. Is this going to look maybe a little bit like the Colorado and Washington State games where the Utes gave up yards, gave up drives early, and then were able to shut them down after that? I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, look, everything – I just believe this, that until um, you get in scenarios consistently, right, like Clemson or Alabama or even Oklahoma and the CFP – all these new stages where the stakes are higher, they're just new, right? So the anxiety's new, the nervousness is new, um, the anticipation is new, the hype is new, all that. So I, I think it's going to take both teams. You know, I wouldn't be shocked if it was a if it was a game that took both teams a little time to get to kind of settle in. And and specifically to that, these are two teams that scheme up on their offense, right? Air raid, as we all know, they don't worry about what the defense does. They're going to run their stuff. And a lot of offenses in this era, run-pass option offenses, they, they don't do a lot of that, you know, in terms of quarterback and having to check the line of scrimmage. So why do I say that? Because both coordinators script their first 15, right? So, and Andy Ludwig does as good a job as I've seen all season long in terms of, let me just see what they're going to do to this personnel, to this formation, to this motion, to this shift. And let me just mark that down and I'll get you. I'll see, I'll see you again in the fourth quarter. You know, so I think a lot of Utah when I watch them back is that is just like, what are we good at? Do we have a hot hand? How are they aligning to different things? And all right, let's let's trust that our defense is really good. Let's not make a catastrophic mistake. Let's not try to go three and out and give the you know the ball back to the other team extremely quickly. So that to me is going to be really fun. Like if you're watching this game at home or you're there in person, I'm watching the formations and the personnel groupings early on. So, Yogi, when I look at uh, Utah getting into the playoff, I look at Oklahoma as being its number one threat, and I base it on star power, reputation in terms of historical nature of Oklahoma's program versus Utah, star power being Jalen Hurts, Lincoln Riley, and then if I go scheduling, I've got to give the advantage overall to Oklahoma but I'm thinking if the Utes can just really blitz Oregon, they can hold steady or move up a spot uh, because assuming Georgia loses, if Georgia doesn't lose, then I think uh, Oklahoma and Utah are in trouble there. But assuming for a second, for the sake of argument, Georgia loses, so that puts them off to the side and becomes Oklahoma and Utah. I already gave you my reasons as to why I think Oklahoma gives the, gets the nod. Give me reasons why you think Utah should get the nod. Yeah, well, I really think it's pretty simple. And I don't know if you guys saw it, but Rob Mullins, the chair of the committee in the 88 Oregon, came on our set on Saturday. The pregame show was, was at the Civil War. And, and I asked him point blank about the Paxwell brand in the room, you know, to that, to that point. Because that's every radio show in Big 12 country, in the SEC, in the East Coast, is saying that today. Right. right? When you look at the math and you look at the schedule, the strength of schedule, you know, I get the argument, especially if you look at the final game, um, being you know where Baylor is presumably going to be ranked. But I, I just go back to what he said, and he said they recognize, and he said it very clearly, how good of a team Utah is. You know how how they're built with their offense and defense, for all the stuff that we've referenced. So I say that because I, I think it's going to be one of these things where you come down to it. I think it's close enough on all the things you reference that it's going to come down. And they said this many times in the brief history of the committee comes down to the football people in the room and the football people in the room say, you know, Utah's just a better team. Right. So, and then here's some facts to back it up. Five of the last six games that Oklahoma's played in, they've won by one score or less. 
three of the last five Baylor's played in, they've won by one score or less. Utah's one game all year, they've won by one score or less, and it's on the road against UW. Yeah. So I don't think anybody's going to slap around and say uh, they don't respect him, right? Like that, you, Washington's program is much, much more respected than Iowa State or Texas Tech or you know other schools that you know you might have a similar records or Kansas State in that conference. So I say that, and I'm really not stressing that much because I think Oregon's going to move up, right? So at worst they're 13th, they're probably 12th tomorrow night, and we'll see where Baylor and Oklahoma are ranked. But I just think that it's so muddy between six and you could argue 15 that. I, you know, it's you're splitting hairs, and I think if the committee's trying to be politically correct, or if they're trying to do things just based on math, then yeah, Oklahoma's going to get in, or Baylor's going to get in. But that that's we already had that's called the BCS era, right? When everything was based on math. So based on an unemotional take and watching every snap this year, I think they're going to come down and say Utah's just a better team, and the way they've dominated teams. I don't think they need to dominate Oregon. I think that argument is is not accurate. I think they just got to play clean and prove that they can compete among those other three undefeated that we would presume. So I would think that if you're a Ute fan, the argument you would hate in the room is that that the Utes against ranked teams, assuming they beat Oregon, they'll be one and one. And if Oklahoma wins, depending on whether Oklahoma State remains ranked or not, Oklahoma's going to be two and zero or three and zero. So you think the yeah. eyeball test and the Utes are better trumps that stat? Because that stat would seem to be Oklahoma's best argument. I think that says BS based on Arizona State beat Oregon. Right? Arizona State's not going to be ranked. Oregon smacked Arizona State. And I called that game. Right? Like You can kind of make those arguments as the year has gone on of like, hey, well, this team was really good then. And I just say that. I'm like, so many of these – Ranked takes, and I get it, it's based on the CFP. It should be based on the CFP final rankings, right? But a lot of times you hear about ranked wins, and it's like, well, when they were ranked in the AP, no offense to the AP, but I know people that vote in the AP, they don't watch every game. You know, they're seeing scores, they're watching highlights pretty much like the rest of the country. So, again, I just go back to, and I sat in those chairs. Like, I got to be Rob Mullins, and they, they, they allowed me to be a mock chair committee. And it's real clear, and the muddied part is that you look at the four categories, right? One being uh, conference champion, both of them will have that. One being strength of schedule, right? It's kind of debatable, really, when you look at the overall score. Uh, Look at common opponents, which uh, the one in this one is UCLA, and if it goes anybody's way, it would go Utah, right? So there's a metric there. And then the other one is comparable outcomes, right, which – you know, that's not necessarily in play here. So I still think it's just going to come down to you looking at how the team's played all year long. And then the committee members, the challenging part, which is maybe the scary part, is that everybody is tasked with putting in the four best. But four best is defined by each individual member. And I think that's a major issue with the committee, to be quite honest with you, because Ronnie Lott might think it's the four best after Saturday next weekend. Yeah. Right? And... Todd Stansbury might think the athletic director of Georgia Tech, formerly at Oregon State, might think four best is entirety of the body of work. So, you know, you look at Utah, their loss was the earliest loss among any teams in the conversation right now in the season. So you could argue they're playing the best right now versus quote-unquote ranked win. So it's going to be close, but I'm really curious to see what the committee does. And 
I'd love to see, uh, obviously, Utah get a chance. I do think that they got a chance to, to make some noise if they get in there. Yeah, we all agree with you. I think that uh, whatever Ronnie Lott says, I'm going to go with because he's so tough that <laughs> I'm afraid that he might Agreed. find out I disagree with him. So, But I find it curious on the – I think that Utah needs to put it on Oregon. You disagreed with that, said that's inaccurate. You're not going by margin of victory, but yet you go margin of victory in – stating the case against Oklahoma by saying that, well, they only had one score wins. So I don't, I don't see the consistency there. How come it's a, it's a negative for Oklahoma and the one score wins, but yet if Utah doesn't hammer Oregon, that isn't, that's viewed differently. To me, the consistency would be if I'm going to go uh, margin of wins over here, then if Utah really puts it on Oregon, I think they get in as opposed to not doing that. Yeah, well, the reason I, I think that is, I don't think Utah's trying to like play the style points game. You know, like I think they're just playing their game, and that's what they've done is just put it on teams. And I think for Oklahoma, they've just been in dogfights. You know, that's just kind of their reality. So if Utah's in a tight game against a top, whatever, let's just call it top fourteen team that everybody thought was going to the CFP until a week and a half ago, by the time the airing of the, you know the rankings conclude. Then to me, it's that's the challenging part, I guess, that I have. When you look at Oregon, was number five team in the country. Everybody had them pegged for the title, and now all of a sudden, if it's a close game in the title, we're going to say Oregon's, you know, not a talented team. You know, we're going to say, well, Utah needed to smash them. Like it's not like they're playing. Not like it's Oregon, Arizona a couple years ago. Like I don't think it's going to be that game. Oregon's talented. You know, like they've got you reference. You could argue the best old lineman. At least in next year's potential draft, the sure. guy at number one, you know, potentially number one overall pick. So I just think that I don't think that a they're gonna smash him, and then b I think to say that they have to um, to, to put up style points over Oklahoma is going to play a Baylor team, and neither one of those teams have been dominant all year long. I just think that you're not paying not not you, but I think fundamentally that argument yeah. would state that. You know, voters and paying attention what Oregon's done. You I don't think they know, need to. I don't think they need to hammer Oregon. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying if they do, I think that should be enough to get them in. A hundred percent. Yeah, uh, no doubt. They yes, I, I'd agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, heck, if they win by two touchdowns, I think it's yeah. enough. Me too. Well, Yogi, as always, we appreciate a little time. Thanks for coming on our show now and uh, over the years. We appreciate it. Yeah, hope to see you guys in Santa Clara. I'll be there. All right, man. Talk to you soon. Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Network Analyst.